Okay, guys, welcome to episode seven of season 11 uh, of Productize Podcast. In the season, we are talking about the future of cities. And, you know, the question is always the same. Uh, what if cities care more about their digital products and services and actually treat as citizens like customers they want to retain? Then, you know, we believe that questions like transformation and improvements that could uh, come out to the lives of citizens as a whole would have to be answered. And this podcast is really uh, the, the podcast where innovators, geeks, creators, entrepreneurs like Antonio come to discuss impactful ideas. And our mission is to inspire people to impactful action. My name is Andre Marquis. I'm your host. So today I'm really glad because I have uh, someone I have the pleasure to call friend, Antonio Thank you um, for being with us. Antonio is uh, from Porto and uh, has over 40 years of experience in building and managing companies and startups because he started very young. He started as a teenager and he led the creation and development of more than 10 companies having started his first IT company with the launch of Methodus Sistemas in 1987. I know some of you guys were not born yet, but that's how long Antonio has been playing the entrepreneurial game here. He's a founding member of Startup Portugal, representing Fabricant Startups at Fabric Antonio, is designing, validating, and adjusting the business model of his own company, and also contacting investors, entrepreneurs. While Promoting the business and finding business opportunities. Fabricant Startups is an innovation hub providing acceleration to startups in three stage, stages, pre-validation for problem and solution validation, validation for product and market, and launch for go-to-market strategy. And where entrepreneurs can seek help in developing their business ideas and growing their startups and corporates can innovate with clients like Delta, Nosh, Millennium, Gulp, and many more in being part of their um, portfolio. Antonio, how are you? I'm fine. I couldn't be better. You know, being with good friends is <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks a lot. How is the year going? I know that COVID uh, hit your business operation last year yeah. quite, uh, you know, quite impactfully. Um, do you see 2022 being the recovery year, finally? 2021 was very difficult. Um, we were okay because we had very good results in the previous year, but it was tough, really tough. But uh, 2022 is becoming a good year. It's the year of recovery. You know, being an entrepreneur, you know all about going up and going down. It's never, you know, straight line. Especially so, after 40 years, yeah, you have exactly. seen it all. And right? I, I went through many difficult points, um, parts in my life. And um, so this was just one more. And I think we'll be able to keep growing again very quickly. All right. So, Antonio, you are from Porto, although you have been living here in Lisbon for many years, or at least the Lisbon area. Um, and But that, that was actually where you started your entrepreneurial journey, quite young. Um, and you have been an entrepreneur ever since. And once you told me that you have never worked for anyone else except yourself. Well, that is an exception. When I was in the U.S., I worked for a few months, uh, actually a year at Arthur Anderson Management Information Consulting Division in Artificial Intelligence, which happened to be a very interesting experience, but um, you know, it was 
um, something that um, I still remember. And at that time, I, I was thinking that artificial intelligence would be something that would make a big impact in the world. It took almost 30 years. Now so we see it in every place. Back in the 1980s. Even sooner, I apologize, but uh, you know it's been, <laughs> been a long time. <laughs> a long time. I'm 62 now, so okay. yeah, that means that it was model on the 80s, late 80s. So I, I was in the US from 83 to 86, end of 86, and I worked at Anderson Consulting before it was called Anderson Management Information Consulting Division uh, in 1985 and 86. Long time ago. A long time ago. The Reagan years. Do you have fond memories of the, the US back then? Oh, I like it very much. Yes, it was an amazing experience and it helped me a lot. And I think uh, open uh, the, the, my perspective because I was someone that was born in the north of Portugal. I went through the normal schools in Porto and then came to Lisbon to do uh, the Catholic University. And um, although I had some experience in terms of going abroad, I really never, never had the opportunity of living abroad, which is completely different. So it was very important. And I think those years have uh, been very helpful for me. You so were living where? I was living in Minneapolis in, uh, you know, and studying at the University of Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, actually, University of Minnesota, which is one of the largest universities in the US. So it's like 70,000 students, you know, two, three different campus. Uh, one on the side of the Mississippi, the other on the other side, which means that you had to cross the bridge. And um, and it's very cold. It's really cold. So, was uh, in that sense for someone that came from a country like ours that has this amazing uh, climate, going and spending uh, in a year around eight months of of snow and some of these months <laughs> really below zero. And I mean below zero is 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 like fifteen below zero. So, was um, different. But you know cities are amazing. Actually, the people that live in cities are amazing because we always find ways to adapt and to deal with these challenges. And, and Minneapolis is one of, that, of those cases. Everything you do in the winter is mostly underground or on what they call the Skyway, which is like on the first floor. Every, every building is connected. And so it makes life much easier than it seems. So it was, it was a really interesting experience. Yeah. I mean, that was even before Portugal joined the European Union. Yeah. yeah. For us, it was great because when we came back in the end of 86, Portugal was just joining and starting uh, to be a member of the European uh, Union. And, um, and you, it took no, no time. You yeah. started the company straight, straight, straight out. We started in 1987, August of 87. Uh, we still had to do some work to, to get the money. At that time, it was not as easy as it is today to start a company. And we had to sell. We didn't have any money. We, we came from the US with just a Macintosh um, because we were able to buy it in the university in, in, in the US. had a special deal with Apple, and they were um, promoting the Mac and sell it at half the price. So I was able, through my internship, to get the money, buy it, and then we so you brought it back. You brought it back in the plane. With and you. then I sold it here in Portugal uh, for good money. And then I invested that money on the stock exchange. And, uh, and then I got twice the amount of money that I had invested, and, we, and that was sufficient to start the business at that time. How much was that? 
in a scooter? Honestly, I, 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 I would like very much to tell you, but it was, <laughs> but I, don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember. I remember that I had to deposit the money on cash out of deposits. Okay. And then, uh, because that, that was an obligation, It right? was by, by law, you had yeah. to, to deposit the money on cash and then cash would give you a certificate that uh, that money was there. Then you can go to the public notary and, and, and start the business was much more complex and difficult and so you know, coming from the us and and starting here it, it it was almost like starting in a communist country <laughs> i've never well um, because I, you I had so I much could, rules and regulations you had yeah. to go to a nationalized bank had to put yeah. money in that bank account you had to prove that the money was there and then yeah. you had to go to the notary make sure but, that, but you know what the interesting I mean, part it's not that much different right now but the difference is that you can actually choose the bank where you want to but no no it's it's a, it, there's a big difference no I, it, there's a huge difference mm. these days everyone can go to empresa now and start the business yeah. even and, in and, less and, than and an back, hour back then it took weeks to it, it took and then you have to get the name approved and the name you have to supply three different options and the first one will never you always have to apply again because in every time you applied you had to pay more money and so yeah there's no comparison it was much much more difficult at that time than it is today today everyone can open a company very quickly did you get methodus at first or you had to apply several oh. times to get the name yeah it wasn't easy no it wasn't easy uh, I, I remember that it wasn't the first time we had to apply twice, so uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. I think the, we we had to have the, the word systemas because if it was just maths, they, they didn't think it would be, you know, a approved. No one really understands the rules that are in place in what regards <laughs> naming of companies, uh, yeah, especially right. in those times. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Now, now this is is much much easier. At least the bureaucracy. Um, Okay, so look, being an entrepreneur is actually the hardest part, right? Whether you have huge bureaucracy or not, being an entrepreneur is arguably the hardest part. Um, and it might be frightening to lots of people because especially if you have a well-paid job or if you have a stable situation, you have to fire yourself, go through the pain of actually starting your own business. You know, lots of times alone or at least against the, the what is essentially what everyone else is doing, which is working um, for someone else. So why, why do you think only a fraction of us end up becoming entrepreneurs? Well, first of all, because it's not all that horrible. As a matter of fact, uh, I think majority of the time is, is amazing. It's great. We, we feel great. Uh, sometimes we have to face uh, difficulties. Yes, sometimes very difficult situations happen and you have to deal with that. So it's not, um, I'm not saying, going to say that it's you know, really, really easy, but most of the time for people that are doing what they enjoy doing, that, that's great. Uh, I think that's one of the points. It, being an entrepreneur uh, does entail some risk, but in life you have many other things that you entails risks and, and you still deal with those. So my, my, I don't have a lot of experience in terms of working for others. And I, even when I was working at um, uh, Arthur Anderson Management Information Consulting Division, I wasn't. I had a lot of freedom because I was working on something that was so brand new, and so I was just learning and learning, learning all the time. I enjoyed that very, very much. Uh, so I, I cannot see myself, uh, you know, in a corporation answering to anyone and following the direction that someone is is giving me. You know, entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur also means. You have to be comfortable making decisions and you have to be comfortable and actually willing to do your own decisions. And that's that's the point of being an entrepreneur. That's what it, it makes it so 
so amazing for the people that are. And most people could be, and most people should be. Or when you say most people, it's like the, maj the majority of people. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I like Mohamed um, Yunus has uh, this the, phrase. The, that noble, I, the noble winner. Yeah, and the, and the founder of uh, Microcredit. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, he has this phrase that I think is, is an amazing phrase. And basically it says that every human being is born an entrepreneur. Unfortunately, unfortunately only a few people are able to take advantage of that. And so there are many, many others that never experiment being an entrepreneur, never think about doing it, never do it really. And that, that's a pity because, you know, human beings, yes, we are entrepreneurs. We, we look at problems and we always try to find the solution. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we just had the industrial revolution. Before that, there were many other entrepreneurs, but there were also some, uh, you know, social structure in place that would prevent people to do things that would make them move from social uh, upgrading after the industrial revolution um, now we can actually do so many things you know we can start a business that from day one even if it's a small business it's a global business and so we are still thinking very much along the lines of the industrial revolution you know the fact that we even considered today that is reasonable for people to have to start at a certain time in the day and finish at another time in the day makes no sense it made sense when you were working on factory because you had to you have shifts, shifts right, right. And yeah. so and machines had to constantly be running and so people had to come at a given time so that others would be re they will be replaced by these other people now who you know most of all even in the industry that's not anymore true because you have robots so why are we still thinking along these lines? It makes no sense to me. And of course, an entrepreneur never cares about what is the time they start or what time. You actually never start, you never finish. You're always thinking about what can you do. Um, yeah, you know, lots of people say that they talk about the fourth industrial re revolution. Um, but are we on the brink of a golden era for entrepreneurship, like a fifth entrepreneurial revolution, um, where things like self-sovereign uh, movements uh, led by crypto founders, people that are now out of the, the grid in many ways, along with the fact that now we are having uh, lots of companies going remote first and also much more flexible in terms of their working schedules. Now you're talking about the four day week and so on and so forth. The combi not, not, not to speak uh, about AI and all the, the, um, the technological re ongoing revolution, uh, the combination of all these factors, is it finally going to allow the creation of that opportunity space that you are talking about, where the majority of people will actually be entrepreneurs instead of workers? Well, it's not going to. Uh, it's present. It's it's something that exists today. No, but not, not in the statistics, though. Well, I mean, because the majority of people, people still work for... Because people have a mindset. And that's what we have to change, is the mindset. Um, well, I was lucky enough to go through three major revolutions. When I was in the US, the PC era was starting. So I had the opportunity to work with the very first IBM PCs and, and then, of course, Apple II and then the Apple Macintosh. And then I came back to Portugal and I started my business all in on technology. 
And then I I had the opportunity to live through a second revolution, which was the internet revolution, you know, 10, 15 years later. And that was also amazing. And I think we are now going to the third revolution, which is the blockchain revolution. Uh, Blockchain is an amazing technology, and we are just starting to understand what we can do with it. So there is a lot to be done. And if you look at blockchain, and if you look at, um, for instance, the the, the things like DAOs, where you have new structures in terms of what a company can be, you can see that you have a huge amounts of possibilities for the future. So now for an entrepreneur, entrepreneur is very comfortable with change. And for, so this couldn't be better for us, right? Because change is what we are going through this, in, in this precise moment. You know, all these things are changing. A lot of things already changed, not just because of pandemic. I think what happened with the pandemic was just made everything that needed to happen move faster. Now, of course, the difficulty with these moments is many people get left behind because they don't see it happen or they don't feel comfortable with the change. But it's happening and we have to take advantage of that. And yes, I believe that this new era will make it even easier for entrepreneurs to to be successful and, and, and live out of their own initiative. Antonio, I, I really love Mohammed Yunus' phrase um, that we are born entrepreneurs. I think it's one of those super inspiring um, phrases. But as I observe my own kids in their interactions with their kids, other kids, I I realize that you know, we might have technology, but then at the end of the day, we are always constrained by our biological, you know, being, which is the same for the last 300,000 years or so, or at least mostly the same. So I realized that, I mean, we realized that people are essentially social. They like to mm-hmm. be in groups. They yeah. like to be in, to have the feeling of belonging to something, to a tribe and have peer support in what they're doing. Um, So, you know, my own feeling is that people that have an education of self-reliance, they are more prone to feel the need to have a company or at least to begin um, and work on a solo founder or a solo experience of entrepreneurship, whether that's just self-working or a more formalized structure. So in many ways, being entrepreneur seems to be a very counter nature thing to do. Um, what's your experience on that? Because you know, revel the, the technological revolution that you are now speaking about, DAOs and 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 blockchain, it actually might help, but but people still need to have this feeling of tribal community that is provided by lots of lots of companies yeah. and That's the a, reason why people actually go to work because yeah. they have a, a second family well yeah um, but, but it's not a family that you choose right it's a family that is imposed um, you, you don't choose the other people that you are going to work with and someone else did that for you but if you think about uh, so you think about this new world let's call it the crypto based new world or not even that, because crypto is is a layer on top of blockchain. The blockchain is the the big change. So blockchain is like internet, is like the PCs. It's a new era, and uh, you look at these people that are working on on so many things based on blockchain, NFTs, DAOs, all these things. And you know the amazing thing, they work exactly as you said, as a tribe, 
they, they work as a tribe. Now, the only difference is that instead of a, the tribe as we see it, you know, people together, uh, they are connected, although they are not physically present. And they are connected. You go and see all these different initiatives in terms of NFTs, for instance, they are all based on Discord. So on Discord, what do we have on Discord? Is a tribe, is a set of people that are constantly exchanging ideas and sharing their problems and having help from others to, to overcome those difficulties. So the tribe is, is, is clear. You know, we are social human beings and we need to be with other people. And, and entrepreneurs like to be with others also. Entrepreneurs are not uh, lone wolf. That's, that is not what I see. You know, entrepreneurs actually, uh, they, they have the biggest opportunity of everyone to meet so many people. Now, as an entrepreneur, you're always looking for new things and therefore also you are also interacting with new people. So it's, it's even more, uh, in that sense, um, something you get more out of it than if you are just working at the same place every day with the same people. I mean, mm -hmm. if you are an employee, you are bound to go to this place at this time and um, work with these people for, I don't know how many years, you know, some people spend you know, all their, their life there. And I think that's, that's really, something that needs to change you know, we, we need to give these people a different yeah. mindset totally totally and high performance teams are about having teams that are super reliant on each other and people that really like yeah. to work with each other or at least that have lots of professional respect with each other um for each other are you are you are you also looking into DAOs? yes i think distributed autonomous organizations are an amazing um thing that happened that is happening right it now it is happening yeah uh, it it still needs some there is a something in place already because there is some infrastructure that allows you to at least have a DAO working but there are still a lot of open questions in this the governance rules that we are using are okay but uh, the whole mechanism of a DAO which is based on on people that have tokens and having tokens allow them to vote and every, everyone that belongs to the DAO can actually propose, make a proposal, and then everyone has to vote on that proposal. And if the proposal is accepted, then it, 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 it's done, right? Now, there are things that we still have to think in terms of making it even more faster in terms of, of reaction to different situations. But I think it's an amazing um, structure because it's light. Um, everyone can can have their it's completely transparent which is another thing you know sometimes when we talk about all this new world some people say well this is uh, i don't understand it so it must be something that really is not that transparent it's it's the opposite it's actually the opposite the, the amazing thing about blockchain is that it keeps track of everything that happens and everyone can go back and look at all the different transactions that happen you cannot do that in in the world that we have outside uh, this world so it's completely transparent and it's very fast in terms of, and everyone can belong if they have the token. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's but no, are, no... Are you, are you, are you already helping entrepreneurs, um, creating their own DAOs at Fabric and Startup? No, we are just starting. You know, DAOs are very recent. DAOs, there was one initial phase where DAOs were discussed and applied and used, but then there was a situation that um, didn't help a lot. Because the first DAO, the one that has you know big size, um, didn't become very successful. As a matter of fact, there was a problem with fraud on, on that DAO, and so it took a few years. And that happened in around 2000 and 
16. So it took a few years for us to go back again to DAOs. And DAOs are now starting again because most of the NFTs are being issued by DAOs. And so I think that um, we'll see more and more of that. Uh, there is the, the, the issue of legal um, compliance and, and all the, uh, what is the framework where a DAO can work. Um, there are some countries in the US and other places where they have even now created a DAO LLC, which would be something like a DAO LDA in Portugal. So it's it's changing. It's quickly becoming more mainstream. It's not yet mainstream. We are just uh, paying attention to it and, and see what we can do with it. Uh, but I see you know, DAOs is just one example of, of all these revolutionary things that are happening and most people don't even understand what this, this is all about. Yeah, true. Um, you know, with DAO or without the DAO, if, if you are the founder or you become the CEO, it's still lonely at the top or not? No, no. Most DAOs, as I said, first, you know, they are, it's never one person. Besides on a DAO, there is no CEO. Mm. On a DAO, there is a lot of people that belong to the DAO and they have tokens and everyone can actually propose. And these proposals are voted, so there is no structure. But are, are there co-founders or the equivalent of founders? It's of the more DAO? like a cooperative where everyone right. belongs to that cooperative. Um, some may have more tokens than others, and people can join along the way if they buy the tokens and if the tokens are available for them to buy. It depends on the rules of the DAO, and you establish that in the beginning. You mm -hmm. have to define a policy, and that policy is actually a smart contract which means that you don't even, if you want to change it, you have the whole agreement. You need right. to have uh, agreement from all the... So I guess the question lots of people are doing is, if I want to create a DAO, where do I go? Oh, you can create a DAO. There are many um, infrastructures. You have Squat on, on the web, and it's really simple. You just... Um, Squat.com or... Dot, I don't know if it's .com. Okay, we'll you, search you, it and we'll put you, it on. These the days comments. I don't care anymore about... The, the domains because you just use Google, right? You right, write okay. The, so it's S-Q-U-A-T. Scala, yeah. Okay. And you go there and you create your DAO online? You create it online, of course, yes. What you have to define is first you define what are the rules uh, and then you are going to issue tokens and people can get those and tokens. And you can have like a template DAO so you don't have to come up with all the rules from scratch. No, it's like a wizard. It's it's really simple. Just okay. fill the blanks. And uh, and then you invite your friends on Discord. Or, 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 or just people. put on, on sale the token and yeah. expect people to buy it. Okay. So it's very different from the way you created your met the system in 1987 where you had to go to the bank then you have to go so there is no notary involved no no government involved no so the question begging to be asked is how are governments going to uh, you know incorporate or or live in a world of DAOs? how are they going, they're going to go after DAOs, uh tax DAOs, etc i don't know i don't know maybe they aren't I have no answer to that. Um, <laughs> okay, well, the only thing I know, you. and I know for sure, is that later. everyone can start a DAO these days. Okay. And it's an interesting um, organization structure uh, that, that is fully transparent. And, um, and that is the best way for you to actually get into this world. You know, it's, it's not difficult. But it's, it's have you created simple. your own DAO? No, not yet. No, you're thinking about it. Some well, fabricate no, I'll, I'll be very, very clear about that. What we are planning to do, and we hope to do it this year, it is to start the first uh, NFT accelerator in Portugal. And um, NFTs, of course, non fungible tokens, 
um, are an amazing mechanism because what happens is you, you can mint an NFT and by minting that, that, that NFT, if people think that you have an interesting project, immediately you are creating value, right? Because you are actually creating something that you are going to sell. Now, it's going to be sold against probably some crypto, not, you know, fiat, the, the euros. Mm -hmm. But but it's an amazing thing. I call that recursive economy because as you create, <laughs> just by the act of creating an NFT that probably is going to be governed by a DAO, you are creating value immediately, right? Now, it well, may be well, zero if no one is going yeah, to buy exactly. those tokens. It might be zero. May, might be zero if, you, if no one buys the tokens. But if they believe in your project, you don't need to have any of those things that in the past you used to think that were important for you to value a corporation or a company or a business. Or it might be even negative if, if you yeah. consider the, the environmental yeah, But the footprint. thing is, you don't need any cash to do it. You don't need any place. You don't need any machine. Uh, you don't need any employee. So, you know, it, it's, and, and the only thing you have to do is you have to figure out a mission for the DAO. You have to make clear what this DAO is going to do. And if the DAO is going to mint NFTs, it also needs to be clear what these NFTs are about because you have to explain that value proposition to people. Otherwise, they are not going to buy your tokens. But if you are able to come up with something that people care, and they will buy the tokens. And so you create, you sell the tokens. You see, it's it's something that um, it's amazing. It's just get money from generate money from an initiative. Um, but it, of course, no, needs to have course. some strategy. This, this accelerator is for artists. It's for social entrepreneurs that want to use NFTs to. No, that's know. the amazing thing about NFTs and, and this new world. No one knows for sure all the different applications that this technology is going to have. If you look, NFTs are not about um, just uh, what you see today, uh, monkeys or, or elephants or geckos. Uh, NFTs are much more powerful than that because NFT can have inside code and code can be a smart contract and that mm -hmm. smart contract can be many, many things. NFTs can be used uh, for you to authenticate. Uh, for instance, if you are in the wine uh, business and you want to make sure that whatever bottle you're buying for a lot of money, that is authentic. It's not been, a, it's not a fake. So you can use that. You can um, imprint uh, hologram on, on the bottle and the bottle has a, a number and that unique number is on your token. And, and, and that token, of course, is on the ladder of, of blockchain. And everyone knows who owns that token. Right? It's, it's, uh, the, no one else other than that person can own that token. And if that person is going to sell that token to someone else, uh, it's going to be recorded on, on the blockchain, which means that I later can see all different transactions. So it's it's a completely new world. It's a difficult world for many people because uh, like everything that is new is also a new language. And one of the difficulties that I had in the beginning uh, last year when I was starting to get into this thing is, wow, um, you know, these are all completely different new concepts or, or at least new words. Some of these concepts are not that new. And that makes life a little more difficult for people that are used to a certain vocabulary. You have to learn a new language, but that make, makes it fun, at least for entrepreneurs. I think it's a big challenge. Yeah. Um, you know what they say, right, about the future, the best way to predict it. I think it was Alan, Alan Kay that said that, right? The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Um, and the best way to, I don't know if it is to predict, but to think about possible futures is to think like a science fiction author. In many ways, um, 
as we go into this NFT rabbit hole and the whole, you know, blockchain thing, you might come to this era of humanity where work or having to work for someone else is not required anymore. I mean, 20, 30 years time, you might actually have your own NFT when you're born or a certain amount of tokens and you can live out of the wealth created. So, and because of robotics and AI, um, the actual number of uh, the productivity is going to be much higher. So lots of economists have been talking now about the, the four day week. And we know what, what that, that is. Historically, we used to work seven days per week. Then we yeah. started working six days per week. Then mid-century, only here in Portugal, it was actually only mid-century, people started working five days per week. You know, I, I, I think that the that, that time of your parents or maybe when you were younger, people were still working pretty much six days per week. And um, and now we're talking about the four day per week. And, you know, after the four day comes, the, we'll, well probably come the three day, the two day, and then the zero day. So what is that future like yeah. in your mind? It's not the future, it's the present. Well, the present uh, Tim, pretty much Tim, five days. Tim Ferriss wrote this amazing book. Um, yeah. It's not the four-day week, it's the four-hour four hour week. Four-hour right. uh, four, four work week. And um, he explains in the book how he came up with a business that actually allows him to work just four hours per week and have a good uh, um, revenue and have a good life out of that. And and that's, that's a reality. And um, I, I, that's one of the... You know, when we in the beginning we were talking about why so many people uh, don't think that they are made to be an entrepreneur, and um, and of course the reason why they think like that is is it's all it's because it's all in their mind, right? It's it's a, an idea that was conceived and is what is actually common. Um, it's a self constraint. It, it's the way you are taught in mm -hmm. school. Uh, it's also often what families tells you, and so. You know, it becomes a, a big no-no. Uh, entrepreneurs is just for a few people, and it's not for you. You know, what you have to do is you have to, to find a job and, and, and have a successful career. Now, first of all, no one knows what is going to be the job of the future, for sure. And second, I still believe what I said in the beginning, which is every one of us is an entrepreneur. And I, I, I know for sure that many people go through life thinking about that, even if they don't express it. But they are thinking about that, about being an entrepreneur, and they never do the first step because they are uh, they are afraid. They, they are it's 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 against everything around them. No one is telling them that they, that's a good way to do, and so that's the first thing we have to overcome is fear. And we we have to explain to people that it's not that risky. It is risky in the sense that it's not guaranteed success. But what in life is a guaranteed success? I don't know about anything. So what you have to do is clearly measure what that risk is. And that's what I always said to someone that is wondering whether they should or not be an entrepreneur. Just think about what could you afford to lose? And afford to lose means two things. Means what can I afford to lose in terms of money? What can I afford to lose in terms of time? And if what I can afford to lose and what I can afford to lose in terms of money and time is okay and gives you enough for you to start a business, go for it. Go for it. What is the worst thing that can happen is that you're going to lose that time and going to lose that money. But it's still going to be an amazing experience. And it will be one of these things that at the end of your life, you're not going to look back and say, I wish I had done that. No, it's done. 
okay, it's, it will be always better if it's done and it was successful, but it's even better, or not even better, but it's also good if you have done it, even if you're not successful. The worst thing is you look, um, you know, what happened before and, um, and you didn't do it and you know that now it's too late for you to try it. So we, we have to start from, from that very simple idea that being an entrepreneur um, is something that is natural. We have been entrepreneurs for many, many, many millennia. And so only recently, for the last few centuries, we are thinking that entrepreneurship is, is just for a few people. It's not. It's not. Right. But the second derivative to that might be um, finding a co-founder. People might say, okay, I want to do this, but I just don't want to do it alone. I need yeah. you know, someone else to do it with me. Because you know, I, I think misery loves company. And if things don't go well... People like to have someone with them uh, mm -hmm. in the boat or or even if things go well, they also want to share the joy of being successful. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to find a co-founder because you need to, someone that is not like you. It needs to have the same willingness in terms of being an entrepreneur and, uh, and accepting change. But on the other hand, you want someone that is going to be complementary because if it's just like you, it's not going to help you a lot. So it's not that easy to find a co-founder, but it needs to be done because it's much easier if you have a team than if you are going to do it alone. Now, I also think that if you need to change the mindset, we have to do it step by step. And the best way is to start with small steps. And the smallest step you can do is even before considering the fact that I want to start a business and I need someone else to work with me is start a business. And you can even start a business while you are still working. So these days what I always say to people is if you have this dream if you think that being an entrepreneur is something that at least you'd like to try try it right now and even if you have commitments and even if you have a lot of bills that you have to pay at the end of, of the month maybe it's even more important that you start something now you don't have to give one thing to start the other you can actually do both that's what in the us is called a side hustle or a side project and there are so many so many companies these days that even the companies promoting their employees so that they start a new business because companies know that they need people with initiative. And that's one way is to just promote, let them start their own business and work at the same time in, in, a, in a company. Now, for most companies here in Portugal, that will be something that uh, will be close to, to you know, um, will certainly not give you a good, uh, a lot of applause from people that are managing those companies. But it's the way you, you need to think. You, know, you need to think that, Yes, I can do a good job. I don't even need to work all these hours because we know our productivity is very low. And, and productivity is very simple to measure. is the amount of effort you put and the result you get from that effort. So if you are uh, putting a lot of effort and producing very little, mm -hmm. maybe you can put a little less effort, but in a better way, working better and producing more output. And therefore, then you'll have the opportunity also to pursue other ventures and start your own side hustle. Side hustles can be something that would require maybe an hour every day for seven. Uh, maybe you spend one hour during the work week and then you spend two hours during the, the weekend. And so you have 10 hours per, per week of work that you can dedicate to your side hustle. And that will be enough for and you to... Nowadays, it's even easier to do because you are remote. Yeah. So you can actually do it at your own terms. So besides work, I know that you have some hobbies. Um, and of course, you have lots of interests, um, including some of those that you already spoke about today, the, the blockchain, and you have 
started studying NFTs also because um, your your family, um, your one of your daughters is a prominent uh, YouTuber. Have you already launched uh, an NFT together, or are you planning to? Yes, we are. She is working on that. I think she is now in Miami. She's coming, and um, next week we'll have a meeting about the project. She went to, to the US to do a pilot, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, next week we'll be working on that. I think, um, yeah, that, that will, will happen. All right. So I know that you have been living in Kashkaish for uh, the last few years, uh, which is a pretty well managed municipality that's what most people that live there uh they usually tell me uh, do you actually like to live there i love uh, living in Kashkash, yeah. what do you do in your spare time <laughs> my my hobby is actually learning that's that's my hobby i love learning I, I think that we are so lucky because now we have all the knowledge that we may ever need and we don't even have the opportunity to take advantage of all the knowledge that is available. Can you, can you tell me what is your hack? Do you have Saturdays or end of the days? How do you organize your learning yeah. schedule? Because lots of people, they're always postponing learning, especially if it oh, is no. online, right? They say, oh, you know, Friday I'll do it and weekend comes in I and I have like... Netflix and then I have the kids and then suddenly it's Monday again and I have to work and yeah. you don't have to do that. I'm not a big TV fan. <laughs> okay. Um, I like more to see videos and, and read about all these new things. Um, one thing that is now, uh, well, two things I'll share with you. Uh, one is, is home automation. I think there's amazing stuff that you can be, can do. Uh, home, on, home automation. Home automation. Okay. So, you know, I've managed to have my home full of uh, sensors and, and um, every switch is Wi-Fi controlled. Okay. So you know, I, I use a Raspberry to manage all my um, intelligence de intelligent devices at home, and I can program um, my, these devices. So it, it's for me, it's fun. It's, it's something. I love what what are to. you? What are you? Why? What do you have to use as a, a Raspberry to do that? Well, the Raspberry and all my uh, switches in mm -hmm. at home are Wi-Fi, and they are all connected, and they need instructions because some. Uh, some are physical. So you're instance, using that, that the Raspberry has a hub to, con to coordinate. Oh, I have on the Raspberry, I have the software that is managing all the switches and has the rules that I program so that these rules fire whenever a certain event happens. Mm. Could be you know time event or could be just pressing one switch here. It means that all the uh, these other switches you, are going you to develop be the software yourself. Or no, no, you are no. using uh, off the shelf. No, there is amazing stuff available on the web uh, for free. It's all you know. Um, just download that, and you can use it. So, home automation. But you, you're also talking talking about Kashkai. So, do you like to live there? Oh, I like to live. My my biggest hobby, if you, if I really want to choose something, is. Uh, walking on Perdão mm -hmm. from, you know, leaving Cascais, uh, from Cascais until uh, the end of Perdão and near Azulajinha. So, so that's like 10, 15k walk. Yeah, that's a big, uh, I don't do that every every weekend, uh, but we do at least go until Montestoril, so it will be more or less a two hours walk going and coming back, which is, is great because it's an amazing view and the weather is, is fantastic and mm. I just love living in Cascais. I've been living in Cascais for now more than 20 years and um, and that's the way we see it is, is living there until the end. 
So you're living in Cascais, but you work, or at least your offices, main offices are in Oeiras, and you also have lots of meetings and you also teach here in Lisbon. Yes. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your daily routine. How does yeah. that commute works? You know, the, the good thing about being an entrepreneur is that you probably can't say that you have a routine in the sense that I, I, you know, every day is a different day for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so whenever I, I think it's appropriate for me to go to the office in Oeiras, I go. I, I actually do it because I also like to be with other people. And I, I like my office in Oeiras. It's a really nice place. And I have this amazing view going from you Cascais have an ocean to... view, really yes, beautiful one. Beautiful yeah. one. And so uh, I go there. Um, these days, since most of the people are working from home, we, we don't have a lot of people in the office. We sometimes I'm there alone. I'm actually building a sculpture on, on a, what is called a rollerball sculpture in hood, in, in uh, you know, just these little pieces that you put all together and then you have a rollerball going around. And, uh, and it's on the wall of my uh, live, uh, the meeting room, big little meeting room that we have. It's, it's now, so I go there. <laughs> I don't go there sometimes to do work. I go there because, you know, I go and, and do these things that I like very much doing. Um, and sometimes I have to go to Lisbon, of course. I have to teach uh, at, at, at university. And I have another office in, in Camp Ken that is a very nice place also. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I cannot tell you that I, I, I leave you know, on Mondays at this time and, and come back. It depends. Sometimes I, I feel like going. Sometimes I don't have to go. Sometimes I have meetings and therefore I should be there. But these days, I also do a lot of meetings through Zoom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for, for, for an entrepreneur, this is the best time possible because you even give, 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 have more degrees of freedom. You know, these days you can actually choose um, where to work, when to work. And that, that's great. Very well. Um, so let's jump a little bit into uh, Fabrica has a product. You are uh, full-time focused nowadays in, in, in Fabrica. I mean, I know that you are teaching and you, you are uh, a business partner of certain uh, uh, companies, but your main uh, full-time focus is Fabrica and really making Fabrica um, the company you envision it to be. So let's go a little bit to the beginning. What what encouraged you to start Fabrica Startups back mm -hmm. in 2010 or 2011 when we first met? Yeah, well, my my full-time job, if you want to call it, uh, is not at Fabrica Startups, uh, is helping people become successful entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. It is true that most of that work is done through Fabrica Startups. But what I'm really committed to do is to make sure that I can help others have at least the opportunity to be right. an entrepreneur. That's what I care about. That was deeply. not like a religious vision you had no. 10 years ago, right? You wake up one morning and say, like, I, no. I, I want help. No, it's, so. it's actually based on experience. The, the one that you mentioned in the beginning, although mm -hmm. we didn't go into any details. But when I was 15 years old, I found out that I could by my own, uh, you know, in this case was get some glass put all these things together and, and some sand and some water and some fish and sell it. And, and the amount of money that people were paying me for that was much higher than the cost of the materials. At that time, I didn't even understand what it meant, uh, you know, cost of time, the cost of my work. Right. But I found out that I could actually generate some revenue. And it's not about money. It's, it's the consequences of having money. It's the freedom that money gives you. Uh, that, that was the point. You know, I, I, at that moment, I had that Im immense f sensation of, of, of realization 
And that's what I want others to have. It's not religious, it's nothing. It's, it's just I have that experience has been with me for all my life. And I, I care deeply about it. Whenever I feel stressed or when I feel tired or whenever I'm facing with difficulties or problems and things are not moving the way I hope, uh, I remember those those feelings and, and that gives me a lot of courage and a lot of motivation to keep going. And so it works for me. Maybe it will work for, for other people. And um, the, the issue is why so few are still uh, doing it. And um, I think it will be great in terms of our country, in terms of the world, if we had more people um, looking at uh, all these difficulties and actually not feeling uh, as a victim, victim, but rather uh, as, as someone that actually can work solving all these difficulties, all these problems. And so that, that's that's what makes me tick. That's what makes me, you know, uh, wake in the morning and, and come to work, uh, whatever my work is going to be on that day. And that's... Uh... And that vision led you to create a startup accelerator to help people to become entrepreneurs. Yeah. But what was really the the seminal point? Was it uh, the visit you did, another accelerator? What was the inspiration? Yeah. Well, it, in my case, was was a major failure that I had. So along the these lots of years, I started many businesses. And some were successful, some were not that successful. And what, what I found out is the ones that were not successful was because I didn't do it the way that I did it for those that were successful. And it was so simple. It was just about talking with potential customers in the beginning. So when I came back from the US, I would go to banks because banks were my first client. And I'll go talk on these people and I will ask them, what are your problems? What are your difficulties? Of course, in this case, because I was mostly into technology, was talking with the chief information officer or director of the, the informatica. And uh, they would tell me, they would tell me, I have this problem, I have this problem, I have this problem. And then I choose one. And then I go back and then I was thinking about what solution can I come to them and, and sell them. And I would be back with a PowerPoint presentation, explain, you know, do some demo, whatever. And they would pay me up front 30% and ask me to do it. And so that's how things started. You, you go and you understand what is the need. You try to find a solution that is better than whatever solution they already have. And if they see the difference, they will pay for it. Simple as that. Now, the, when you, you start getting money by doing all these things, and then you start being, um, I would say, arrogant in the sense of you, you become self um, you believe that you know everything. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, you start thinking, well, my next big project is not going to be based on what people um, are telling me. It's about what I think they need. And that's a big, big mistake. So that's one, one of the things that I did. I didn't, that, I didn't unfortunately, I, I wish I could say that I only did it once, but no, I did it more than once. Um, big mistake. Yeah, and that final mistake that I did, which was a major investment in time and also in terms of money, uh, made me think if me that had all the experience uh, did it, what can I do so that others know that this is not the way? You know, that's what we do at Fabrica. We explain to people that the best way to start a business is always first by getting customers. You first you sell, then you build. You don't build first and then you wish, you pray that people will come and buy it from you. That is not going to work, uh, at least not usually. You know, in some situations, maybe, but that's not uh, the best way to do it. 
All right. So young entrepreneurs are, and first time entrepreneurs are much more prone to do the, those kind of rookie mistakes. So do you believe that um, to do something to improve uh, future opportunities or opportunities for young entrepreneurs um, has, you know, nowadays we have some school initiatives of um, entrepreneurship in schools and so on. Uh, are cities doing enough? No. Not just uh, we are talking about cities today. That's we, we are we are because that's <clears throat> where we mostly live, yeah. right? Yeah, but um, the problem that we have is exactly that we are not paying attention what is so critical, and what is critical is that people change their mindset and start looking at becoming um, their own boss, if you want to call it, um, from day one, you know, early stage, you know, from the very first. Uh, Time they start learning how to write and, and how to do addition and subtraction, they should right. also understand that they entrepreneurship actually, is a skill. Entrepreneurship is an important skill that is available to everyone, and it's just a matter of you wanting to be one. Now, are you all going to be successful? No, um, but that's like everything else. Like you know, some people would love to be a great uh, footballer, but they are never going to be successful. And uh, someone would like to be amazing, uh, play, you know, uh, playing piano, piano or, or doing something else. But they still are going to do it. Are they going to try it? And some will succeed, some won't. Uh, so it's it's all about mindset. And I think the cities and uh, other structures in in this place, and uh, there is a lot of work that need, that needs to be done. You know, cities can be the municipalities in this case can be market makers. And uh, one of the difficulties of any entrepreneur is getting their products in the hands of their customers. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the first thing you have to understand is, are you addressing a need? But even if you are addressing a need and you come to market with that product, you still have the challenge of making sure that people know that you have that product and the product actually deliver, is delivered to that person. Of course, on, 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 if it's a digital product, then you know, this is not as tough. But if, if it's a physical one, it's much, much harder. And so what municipalities and government and whatever central or, or regional or local can do is, is create those conditions, you know, is, is make sure that there's a way for these people to have their products available for others to know and promote these products. And people will come and buy it because, you know, if they, if they have value, people will buy it. And, um, and we need to create these conditions so it makes them easier for people that are starting in the beginning uh, that have some so many problems and and get some and get some money so that they can start investing and growing the business the problem with many businesses is that they die very early they 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 struggle a lot and then when they are almost close to the beach they drown and um, that's not a very difficult thing to fix so you know? all of the street cities that uh, you know we end up spending most of our time here in the Lisbon region, so the city of Lisbon, city of Hawaii, city of Kashkaish, all of them arguably have their own entrepreneurship support structure. The city of Lisbon has a startup Lisboa, Hawaii has Hawaii Valley, you know, whatever that means nowadays, and Kashkaish, um, Denia Kashkaish, and, and I guess other initiatives. Out of these three, the one that seems to be in hindsight, more successful is a startup Lisboa because of the, at least the impact that it had here in the city and also of the high profile startups that mm -hmm. have uh, been through the, 
I wouldn't even say the program because it's mostly uh, an incubator more than anything else. Yeah. Um, you have been vocal about the fact that sometimes cities, they end up um, doing more or doing in instead of letting private operators like Fabrica and others do those kind of uh, entrepreneurship programs. So what kind of model? Is it a public-private partnership that you are aiming or defending here? What is really the model that you are proposing instead? We can all, all work together, but Startup Lisboa is not Startup Lisboa. Startup Lisboa is Startup Rua da Prata. Right. Because we need many more Startup Lisboas all over the city. Uh, if you look at the total population of Lisbon, what is the percentage of these people that are involved in entrepreneurial activities? That's the big question. And my guess it's uh, at the best one single digit. And, um, and that's very bad. And that's the problem. So we need to have many more people involved and they need to understand uh, that they, yes, they can do it. They can actually become entrepreneurs. And if they have the, this concept of affordable loss and they understand clearly how much money they are going to spend and how much time they are willing to, to dedicate to the, the project, they will find out and they will be often surprised that it's not that much. Uh, it is completely within their reach and they should move on. And that's the point. You know, we need to have more people thinking along these lines. You know, if you go and look at entrepreneurship, how many schools, uh, and I'm talking about first years of, of school, are teaching students about what an entrepreneur means and what is starting a business. Mm -hmm. Very few, if any. Um, yeah, well, they have private initiatives. like um... True. But look at the percentage, you know, compare that with total population. And that's my point. You know, people are still thinking that 99% of people think that the future has to be a job. And, uh, and jobs are not certain. And jobs can come and can Although, go. Although, from a, a historical economical perspective, we are living in uh, almost full employment cycle right now for the last two or three years. Well, the, 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 the unemployment rate is very low in, in US, it's virtually zero in, or, yeah. you but know, you know, it's, it's very interesting zero. because here in Portugal, yeah. it's, you know, it's also quite low. Um, yeah. But the difference between the US and, and, and in this case, Portugal, is that although um, there's almost no employment, it's probably just structural unemployment, there's almost no unemployment in structural unemployment. It's also one of the countries in the world where a lot, a lot of people, and we are talking about millions of people, have their own business. So they work and they have their own business. And that's an amazing thing. Okay? It's uh, what we don't have here. You know, here we have people that work for large corporations, people that work for the public administration, and lots of, lots of people work for public administration, and uh, also quite a good number of people that have these very, 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 very small companies that are always on the brink of failure. And so, you know, we have to help these ones that are just trying to uh, pay their bills at the end of the, the month, explain them what they can do so that they can prove their chances of being successful. And um, if we don't think about how to make sure that these people have the conditions to become successful, then you know, it's a vicious circle. We never are going to get out of this. We are always going to have... A, Okay, we can have lots of people employed, but getting uh, very low salaries and um, not really 
being very productive and the country is in the path that we know it's and not day. being very happy which is also oh, yeah for sure uh, another point no that's the mo most important point uh, all that's... right so one of one of the the things that of course you are a firm believer in equipping entrepreneurs with knowledge and skills while uh simultaneously encouraging encouraging them to single out their personal interests right because it's out of those personal interests yeah. that you end up developing yeah, i should work on something that you love doing so how do you see that happening in the current demand-driven economy is it possible to develop businesses with growth potential based on your own personal needs rather than satisfying solely the needs of the market or consumers no it's an intersection of of, of these two things mm. now when we talk about um, entrepreneurs we tend to think about people that are going to do what they've been doing all their life which is a physical product or provide a, a physical service but the reality is that when i was mentioning that in the us although a lot of people are employed but so many have their own side hustle they don't have physical um you know, physical-based businesses, it's digital. And that's the amazing thing. We are not thinking clearly about the potential that digital products can actually provide us with in terms of this country. And there are so many digital products that we can create. And we... Like, like what? Go, uh, to go to Etsy. You go to Etsy, which is a huge success, and you have millions of people today that are selling products on Etsy. And just do a very simple search. And compare the amount of people that are on Etsy and try to figure out which ones are Portuguese-based businesses. And you won't find any, or at least you don't find any with significant size. So why are all these people selling all these things on Etsy and we are not there? Uh, we need to be there. You know, We need to look at um, uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. You have people from all over the world that are doing um, these projects through these crowdfunding platforms. How many do we have from Portugal? Now, this was a country that uh, many, many years ago decided it was not sufficient to live out of this rectangle where we are in the mm -hmm. peninsula. Now, we have a much easier way for us to go abroad without having to leave our country, but we are not taking advantage of that. And so, you know, that, that's... So, what, so you have also, uh, from what I know at Fabrica, you have started to productize Fabrica yourself. Yeah. Uh, creating new courses you have created uh, starting.pt and also helping uh, entrepreneurs productizing their services in yeah. many ways. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Initiative? Well, we, we found out uh, that we have, we have a lot of assets, a lot of assets, because assets these days are not assets that I was uh, learning when I was in, at school. I have my degree in economics. These days, assets are digital assets. And um, if you look at your any business, there are lots of things that you did that will be useful for others in other places. And these things, most of them now are actually bit streams. And so makes it very easy for you to be able to duplicate them without any cost. So that's the point. And we found out at Fabrica that we have so many things that we could actually monetize. And that's the job that we have now is, is actually to provide all these things, all these tools that we develop, all the knowledge, all the uh, courses all the methodology and make it available for others to use and um, and, and that, that that is something that we are doing and everyone else could do you know i'm sure that in all these companies that are here in this country there is a lot of assets that are undervalued that people are not paying any attention you know one of the things just to talk about um, one, one thing that worries me a lot is um, a startup has always 
a good chance of not being successful. And the point is, still, if it's well done, it did produce a lot of value. And there is a lot of assets in these businesses. But the way we have it today, and if you look, for instance, at the way uh, VCs uh, look at the company when they decide to close the, the, the company, is, is, is makes no sense because you are actually destroying all the value. You are not looking at the company and trying to figure out what is inside this company that has some value that we can still monetize. You're actually doing the opposite. Um, someone told me, uh, I cannot vouch for that, but that there was a, a VC company that whenever they decide to close a deal, they would um, forbid everyone to use anything that was on that business. So, you would, so, you would, so they would not allow anyone to use the brand. They would not allow anyone to use the domain. They would not allow any of the IP property uh, and they wouldn't do anything with any of these things. So, you know, it's, it's a pity. It's a huge waste of, of, of resources that we should, um, but that requires a different way of looking at the world. The world is not more based on physical stuff that we have to, you know, handle. It, it's most of the value today is is on digital, and digital is not. It's not just software. You know, we, we know about these companies that build just um, a spreadsheet with a lot of information. Uh, if that information is useful so for some other, you know, maybe for us is makes you know, makes no sense because we already have it and we didn't have that much time figuring out what would be important to collect. But for others that don't know how to do it and they have that problem, that has value. So if you can provide them with that value, you know, and if you have a, a marginal cost of almost zero, why shouldn't you take advantage of that? So there's a lot of work that needs to be done because it's a you have to change the minds of people and that's very difficult all right so um so speaking a little bit about um companies that have been able to grow and 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 tap digital uh successfully um let's now talk a little bit about breeding startups into unicorns so we both contributed to the current mayor's um election here in Lisbon in the way that we have we have been invited to to uh, to the policy uh, measures that uh, were eventually um, voted to his political uh, um, you know uh, agenda so when he was running for mayor of Lisbon six months ago or actually I think six, six months ago and uh, as we know there was this uh, proposal to make a unicorn factory here in Lisbon. Um, you know, that's still up for the grabs what it actually means because I don't think that we have uh, seen what the, uh, the initiative actually means. But um, I remember that you had a different idea and that the different idea is to bet more on creating, um, you know, rather small but successful companies. So, can you develop this this idea of yours of unicorns versus one million, ten million uh, euro yeah. companies? Well, there is a person in in the US, Samanamitra, um, that has a project that I think is amazing, and that's the one M one M project by Samanamitra, and and our aim is to help entrepreneurs being successful in a way that uh, she can be part of creating 1 million new entrepreneurs that will be able to get 1 million in revenue per year. 
So one million, one million. I'm a little more modest, and so my idea was actually do 100k, 100k, uh, which for Portugal I think will have a major impact. Uh, 100k by 100k is just starting 100k, 100,000 new businesses uh, that would be able to generate 100,000 euros per year, which is essentially the salary of a solo founder. Yeah, well, uh, more uh, or less. Uh, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. So. But that will, more importantly, entrepreneurship needs to be democratized. Entrepreneurship mean, needs to be one of the things that people consider. These days is not, it's an exception. So if I am a young person and I go through school, at some point in time, I have to decide what I'm going to do in my, with my life. And these days, 99% of people will think about, I'm going to work for someone else. And um, okay. Maybe we will never get 99% of the people thinking about working by themselves and having their own business and working with others, uh, developing their business. But at least let's try to improve the odds, you know, change the, this, this ratio. And if we have a lot of small entrepreneurs that start a business, and in, in the beginning, of course, they're all small global businesses, some of them will fail. Some of them will be successful and will be lifestyle, lifestyle business, so the, the, the 100K. And that's okay too. I don't uh, right. see any problem with that. And some of them actually will grow and, and, and be very successful and maybe become those unicorns. Mm -hmm. But unicorn is not by spontaneous generation. It's not going to, it, 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 that is the, the, the logic of, of playing roulette. It's, it's, it's a casino logic. Um, it, 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 the possibility of us by some odd reason, all of a sudden having these people that got together and have this amazing idea and, and, the, and this project becomes so big. Uh, it's, it's so uncertain. It's so difficult for us even to influence uh, that I, 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 that's not my, my proposal. My so your proposal, proposal is, is really a more massive yeah. grassroots movement of supporting many, many more yeah. people to become entrepreneurs. Because that's the way nature works, right? If you look at nature, um, one single tree sends a lot of seeds to the ground. Some of these seeds will never become a big tree. But some of them will. Mm -hmm. Some of them will be small trees, medium-sized trees, and some don't even grow. But that's the way it works. Um, okay, so let's be practical about here the idea. So what would have the, the current mayor to do to do that initiative? Because that's very different. Like you yeah. said, one thing is have like fabricants, uh, sorry, Startup Lisboa and Rua da Prata, maybe they can accommodate 20 or 30 startups, but that's it. They're limited by the, yeah. the, the size, or even if they go to, to Beato, which is much bigger, they might have 100 or so, but that's it. So how do you go to 100K, which is three orders of magnitude yeah. bigger? Well, since the, the mayor doesn't influence the way schools work, and so in that sense, it's a pity because there's... It's not possible to change the curriculum of, of schools in a way that entrepreneurship would be one of the disciplines that they would start learning from early on. Um, so that's that's not on the table. But what uh, a mayor can do is instead of having um, a startup Rua da Prata, is have many startups in in many in every many startups Lisboa in, in different places but right. more importantly even even than especially than the space because no one cares about space anymore is about the program and uh, is about uh, allowing people to learn how to do it because these days learning is not um, actually i think the most important learning is not during the school time 
you will be learning much more and even things that are much more important later on. And so, because everyone has access to information and if they really want to become knowledgeable of something, they can do that. So because we are, as you mentioned in the beginning, social beings and we like to work together, uh, that's the beauty of an acceleration program. So what I would do is I would promote, I would create all the conditions that are possible in order for have many people teaching others how to do it. And that's it. And that's as, as simple as that. But instead of having one program by Startup Lisboa every three months, I will have 300 programs every month. And, uh, and of course, then this, the question is, is that going to happen from one day to the other? No, mm. because people are not ready. Uh, but it's like um, everything in life. But you start it, with a small it step. It would require yeah. a very different kind of demographics because, as you know, when you launch a call for startups or a call for entrepreneurs, sometimes it's really hard to get those entrepreneurs. It, it, you have to scout them. You have to convince them. You ha they have to, you know, they have to vouch to go to the program. Sometimes, even when they do so, and when they pay for for it, they don't show up because you know life goes on so it does require a, a very different kind of mindset a diff very different kind of mm -hmm. outreach and a very different kind of investment that's what we have to do you have to promote entrepreneurship you know why do we think that a football player is such an amazing person and uh, can earn huge amounts of money and everyone has a lot of admiration and i have to um, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could say the same of some entrepreneurs and they have a lot of entrepreneurs going through this school. Um, you know, football in Portugal um, has been successful. It's not because of all of a sudden we have Ronaldo. It's because there was a major investment in terms of people that wanted to know more about it and people that want to learn about it and people that want to practice it. And some of them are being very successful. But that also means that through these schools of all different football clubs, a lot of very young people have to learn how to do it and start early and, and then some of them will, will succeed. So, so right now, Anton, you have this new models, Web3 models, where you have the so-called pay to learn, where people are going to an online course. And because when they complete the course, they, they get some tokens and those tokens, they can be sold or they can be exchanged for something just for fiat. So could something like that work, like pay to be an entrepreneur? in the sense that you have some tokens that you give people and if they enroll in the program, yeah. they, they get those tokens and worsing, yeah. worst case scenario, they could always just exchange the tokens in exchange of fiat. I think it's a great idea. I also believe strongly that people should be paid to be entrepreneurs because they should be paid to, to be entrepreneurs. Right. And I'm, I'm, but, but I'm not doing this because to, of to, altruism. To risk their their entrepreneurial yeah, journey to to make it into a business that is successful that grows that generates revenue oh okay you're and speaking about return on investment because you, you really think that that will be, pay, be paying off in the long look, term what creates value in, in in especially in this case we are talking about money how do we create money uh, is because someone decided to look at the market find a need and came up with a product or a service whether physical or digital and that, that's it that's it so our society, uh, the money that we are able to generate is because someone did that. And so, and that is an entrepreneur, whether they work on a public institution or whether they work on a private institution or by themselves, that's what we need. We need people that look at problems, understand difficulties and come up with better solutions and um, sell these solutions. 
and besides sell these solutions in the global market because it makes no sense these days to only think about the city or think about district or think about the country we have to think much broader and that's what we have to do are these things or people ready to do it no uh, do they need to be prepared to do it yes but first of all we need to change their the minds of everyone you know just the idea of paying someone to become an entrepreneur for most people um, is something really odd but we are investing in someone that is going to create a business and that business is going to pay taxes and it's going to also employ other people and so it's going to create wealth and that's what we need we, we, right. we now we have this entrepreneurial vouchers uh, startup uh, what's the name of it? well the, the ones that are in place are so complicated and so difficult to put uh, you know people have in case right. of uh, entrepreneur that wants to start in portugal the new version hopefully will be much better but the existing one uh, <laughs> the entrepreneur has to pay twelve thousand five hundred if they want to get back five thousand and uh, now my question is how many entrepreneurs in portugal can afford to have 12,500 uh, exactly. euros to invest on an incubator to later uh, get, <laughs> get back, back those 5,000 5, after many, many years, if that's ever. Ridiculous. That's no, ridiculous. It's, it's too complicated. But, okay, one of, one of the things that um, when, when you're proposing, uh, you know, uh, this, this new wave of entrepreneurship, uh, when you you look to the to the economics, um, so I, I just consulted a study by Professor Alexander Fernandes from Minho University that stated that smaller companies in Portugal are much less productive than uh, bigger ones. In fact, three times less productive than bigger companies. So micro companies in Portugal are on average three times less productive than. Uh, uh, much bigger companies, so companies uh, making, uh, uh, you know, uh, having having a, a much higher revenue uh, per uh, per employee, and that there. So there is a net productivity loss. Okay, yeah. when an employee from a bigger company transfers to a smaller company, no, because those micro companies that you are talking about, first of all, on, they are on average. This is the yeah. national average. Okay, but the point is. What are we talking about? We are talking about businesses that were started clearly by need. And of, most of them are coffee houses, are very small things where the family is working together to get ends meet. That's, that's it. Okay. They don't have any knowledge. They have no clue about what means managing a business. They were not taught to be entrepreneurs. They are entrepreneurs because that's the only thing that they could come up with. And of course, they are also based on the old economy. They are not digital at all. So the point is, those are not the examples that we have to look at. That doesn't represent anything. It just represents the past and, and the present. But if we want to build a, a future, that's not the type of business that we should be promoting. Okay. It's not the... the, the, the so it's a new, ki new kind of business, more digital-based business. Obviously. Okay. Yeah, I, I, would, I would clearly, clearly give a lot of importance to businesses that are uh, mostly digital. Because digital... It's like what uh, Mark Andreessen said some time ago regarding software and software is eating the world. Now, digital is eating the world and digital is, is becoming more and more important. And we are moving into a new universe and that universe is almost all digital. And we are not taking advantage of that. You know, for a small, medium size in terms of Europe, but for a medium sized European country that is really behind all the other countries, we need to do something, right? We need to export more. We need to be able to produce more. 
And the only way for us to produce more and to export more is if we have more people producing and, and we have very few. Okay. So can you have a look at this picture? Can you tell us what you see here? This one. I don't have my glasses. Okay, so I'll tell it for you. <laughs> so it this seems is like a big line of big people. Big line. It's a huge queue of people uh, in uh, in front of the the market Primeiro de Janeiro to get their uh, their car permits um, renovated. So hmm. they have to stay in line. So this is a tweet. This was tweeted earlier today, April twentieth, by Tosin de Barriga, and it said, "Bom dia, Estado Social." Um, this is the, the queue in front of the EMT today at seven o'clock in the morning. So this huge queue, hundreds of people, at least dozens and dozens of people. What is missing here? And what is missing here is, in my opinion, it's like... Good sense. Uh, yeah, good sense. But there's no one selling anyone to these guys. Where are yeah. the entrepreneurs? Yeah, in in countries like Brazil, yeah. you know, by 6.30, there will be like a line of people trying right. to sell them, you know, every breakfast, yeah candy, coffee, whatever. And, and here, all these people are going to be in the cold the yeah. entire morning for hours. And if they want, you know, a coffee, they, they can get out of yeah. the line. So where are the entrepreneurs to get these people out yeah. of the line? Uh, the beauty of, of being an entrepreneur is exactly that. We, we look around and we see so many, so many opportunities. There is so much we can do. Um, the lunch, first of all, shouldn't even exist, right? Exactly. That's the stupidity uh, in the first and, place. And but entrepreneurs, they, they live with the reality and they try but to fix exactly. it. Exactly. Right? And then, of course, if the line is there, there are lots of people that have needs and are, those needs are not being answered. For and of sure, course, right? that means there is an opportunity there. And, um, and that's exactly the mindset that we need to have in this country. We need to not look at problems and, and forget about it or, or hope that someone is going to fix it. We need to look at problems and see that an there is an opportunity here. It's an opportunity for me to do something that is valuable, that I'll be able to monetize, and that is going to give me more uh, independence and more freedom. Because ultimately, that's what money gives you. Money gives you more freedom, uh, gives you more ability to make decisions. And so, uh, if, if we still think that uh, someone else is going to fix it for me, uh, then we are in trouble. We are already in trouble. And we'll keep being in trouble and we'll get in more and more trouble. And so, you know, everyone that thinks like me, which often, uh, you know, it's not that uncommon, um, but they also think about where should I live in my, my or should I work? These days I can, I can even be living here uh, and pay my taxes here, but work for someone else. I should, you know, my country is my country, and I, I, most of my work today is is still geared towards helping people being here in this country, entrepreneurs. So that 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 leads me to this question, Antonio. What should um, cities should be doing in terms of policy towards entrepreneurship creation? Right? Um, are there any good circumstances for uh, developing businesses in in Portugal, starting it here? Because on the other side, in the same you know the same tweet in the same Twitter feed or very close to it, then you have a, a list of uh, you know uh, some U.S. guys stating the most uh, entrepreneurial cities in in the world, and Lisbon was there, right? So that's it's uh, you know. It's like we are living in this uh, double reality. On one mm -hmm. side, you go to the street, you see a huge coup. There's no ent entrepreneur to be seen to exploit that. On the other side, at least Lisbon is, is seen nowadays as a, an entrepreneurial hub for um, a certain kind of uh, entrepreneur. 
So my question to you is, uh, in terms of city policy towards entrepreneurship creation and 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 fixing companies in in the city, right? Because that's a different story. Are we? Can we do more? Or is that the national level that cities probably don't play at that field? So there's very little that they can do under the current Portuguese administration. There's a lot that can be done. Um, there are some things that cities can do, but there are a lot of things that cities can do for sure. Uh, the, the very first one is, again, always come back to the same thing. What can cities do so that the mindset of the people that live in these cities and people that work in these cities, which may not be exactly the same, uh, changes and changes by understanding now that all these problems they are actually big opportunities and um, it's not sufficient to change that mindset then we also have to provide them with the tools the knowledge so that they can build on that and actually uh, start a business not the type of those micro businesses that we have all over the place but the business that is global from day one business that is based on new technology and business that is based on digital. Digital is not a, a complex thing. Uh, we are discussing here today, we were talking maybe too much about NFTs and DAOs and, and crypto and, and blockchain. Those things will be more common as time goes by, uh, like the internet, you know, no one knew about what a website was. Uh, I think in Portugal, when my first, my company met, was one of the first, I can go to the Google, uh, to the historical archive and I can see it. These days I'll be embarrassed to show it to anyone, but now everyone knows about it. Now, now everyone can, if they wish, start a website. And so these things will take some time, and, but people will learn about that. But even before we get to that point, we already have so many tools. We have already so many opportunities of things that we can do that even don't even require a lot of learning. Um, there is one issue, of course, language. Um, it's important that we understand that we also, if we want, want global, we need to, do, to speak English, obviously. You know, we are speaking English here today. And, but again, that's also an advantage. At least people tell me that in other countries it's a little more difficult to speak a different language than what the language that we are born with. And so if we have a lot of people that can easily grasp English, uh, that's already a, a major advantage. Now, if we move these people from thinking about just working for someone else and uh, being people that are observant, are looking always for needs and converting those needs into concrete new services or products, and especially if those are digital and they can be sold in the global market, then we have a different city, we have a different country, we have a different future. Better one. A much better one. Finally, the question that we are asking our guests, our every guest, if you had three months <laughs> for an entrepreneur like you, having three months is... It's difficult, but if you had like three solid months to learn a relatively new technology or a skill or really anything you wanted um, that would you, that would be beneficial to you, what would you choose? Where would you focus for those three months? Yeah, well, my, my next three months is we already mentioned, uh, I'm just starting it now, uh, and that is the new universe. Uh, and the new universe um, is the, this universe that we talked about is universe that is whose foundations are the blockchain. Um, there is so much that can be done. So many problems that we still are facing that can be solved, and um, and that that's exactly what I intend to do. Maybe it will be three months. Maybe it will be six months. Maybe it will be twelve months. Uh, actually, it will be all my life because that's one of the things that I know for sure is until my brain is working. 
uh, I will always be learning. And that's what, you know, makes me tick. That's what makes me, you know, happy in the morning is the fact that I have so many things that I want to learn and, uh, and the ability to do it. When I was going through school, uh, I used to spend a lot of time on the, on the library, uh, Wilson Library in the U.S., and when I came back, I miss it very much because in 1986, we didn't have all the internet, we didn't have any internet. Uh, and so I had to go back to the US every year with empty bags and, and spend a week on, on Wilson Library getting photocopies of, of articles that I wanted to read or books that I, I thought it would be interesting for me. And then come back with these bags full of, of photocopies of, and, and for a year I would be reading all these things. And then I would go back again. And, and, but these days... It's all at the end of your fingers. Now you don't even need to use the fingers. Now it's voice. So yeah, it's it's amazing world. You know, it's just uh, incredible. We are so lucky. Have one of the the, the largest uh, business uh, libraries, business book libraries that I've I've ever seen. Uh, so what or and and I know that you have been reading lots of other things. What are your recommendations for our listeners in terms of? or books, or series, or talks, or videos, or yeah. YouTube, whatever. Well, I have quite a few, and we will, yeah, just it will one, be a one, big one, list. One or two. But I'll give you three or four. Yeah. Um, I think the very first book in terms of management that everyone should be reading is the very first book by Michael Gerber. Michael uh, wrote this book uh, even before I started my first business. I think he wrote it in 1985. It's called Emeth. Uh, later... Uh, second edition became the myth revisited, uh, myth of the emprendedor or the myth of the entrepreneur, and it's an amazing book. It's easy to read, but it's powerful and has very very important content, and will help many many entrepreneurs if they read it first before they start their own business. Why why is that? Well, because Michael talks about the myth of the entrepreneur, and what he says is that most people that start a business are really not entrepreneurs. They are people that have, have, have technical knowledge. And they have what he calls a technical techn the technician that had a seizure, and all of a sudden they had this idea of starting a business, and and they start a business based on the technical knowledge that they have. Now to manage a business, you it's not sufficient to have technology, uh, uh, it's not sufficient to have technical information, not just technology. It's not sufficient for me for me for instance to know how to cook, um, and that's the problem that we have in Portugal. You know. The, People start businesses based on their techno technical abilities. But to run a business, you need someone that is a visionary that can look behind what is already here and that can figure out what are the needs of these people and come up with innovative solutions. And then you need the manager. You need someone that is going to take care of the commercial side of the business, that is going to get the customers and that is going to run the business. Um, and, and those technical people, they don't have that. They don't have that. And it's also the fact that our school system also does not help because the school system is going to um, specialize you, right? And if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to have the complete picture of what a business is. And that requires knowledge about different disciplines. And they don't have that in school. School will teach you just about something and then all the other parts are missing. So that's the point. You know, and what Michael talks about is, okay, let's first understand that this is the reality and now what can we do and what we can we do is we can think of a business exactly the way we do it today first let's look at uh, who are these customers second let's figure out what are the needs and the problems and then move along the business model 
And I'm just talking about business model because the second book that I would strongly recommend, of course, must be Business Model Generation by Alex Fosterwalder. Uh, if you have uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, and if you have The Business Model Generation by Alex Wasterwalder, and in addition to that, you get one of the books by Steve Blank. I think the first one is, is probably the best. It's called The, the Four Steps to Epiphany. Uh, then you are in good shape. You know, you learn a lot and you will not be one of those micro businesses in Portugal that make no, no money and that are a struggle and probably even worse than having a job. And that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about entrepreneurship, it's not that type of entrepreneurship it's, because that's it's not also being an entrepreneur. Personal, personal freedom. No, because the personal freedom um, happens because now you have an option to decide what you want to do. You can choose goal A or B or C or D. Now, if you don't have money, and of course, money can be many things, but at least the money that gives you comfort so that you can actually choose, then of course, it's going to be very tough. You know, it's not going to be a fun life. So that's, that's the point, you know, it's not about the very small business that we have. It's about the very small business that we should have and that are going to grow. That's right. the point. Gross potential. So Antonio, finally, oh, I have a more, one more, you book. have one more book. Yeah. Okay. Because I talk about two books that are very important because these books are management books and these books are very important for entrepreneurs, but I'm, I'm, I've been reading uh, for the last 10 years. I, I keep reading this book. This is one of the books that I have to go quite often. And, um, and, and it's really simple. It's a book called, the title of the book is, Are You Ready to Succeed? Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's an amazing book. It's by Sri Kumar Rao. Sri Kumar is a teacher, a very famous teacher at uh, Chicago, uh, Columbia University, if I'm correct. And um, it's one of those professors where all the students want to be on, on this classroom, but of course you cannot have all, the, all of them. Uh, but it's, You it's, can if you wanted to. to Check it out his videos online. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. Sure. And you can read the book. You you can know, read the and book. it's a good book. It's an amazing book. But it, it because it's a book about uh, exactly the fact that most of the things that happen in your life are something that you decided. Um, you may uh, think that others have decided for you, but in reality is of your own making. And whatever happens in your head, it's your head, not anyone else's head. So you can okay understand better what go, what goes on and um, you know and that maybe if you are looking at things in a certain way and you don't know if that's the correct way because you're talking about something that is a possibility there is always another possibility you know and you can choose between which one you want to think about that's a great segue to our last question which is what words of advice or wisdom would you give your younger self let's say at the beginning of your entrepreneurship path that uh, Antonio back in Porto in, I don't know, in the 60s, maybe, or the early 70s? I, I don't know if all entrepreneurs are like that, but I was even sooner than that. Um, I always liked to create things, always. And, um, and that's what I, I enjoy doing. Um, what would I tell myself? Well, maybe start the business even earlier. Uh, okay. In the sense that my formal business, I only started when I came back from the US after my MBA. Um, these days, if I had to choose between taking an MBA or starting a business, I would start a business because the business is going to teach you much more than any MBA. And I was fortunate enough to be at Harvard, to be 
uh, at Babson and many other Provided very well-known schools. Provided you read these books. Well, those because books are... there's lots of the other business that we have been yeah, talking about. Yeah, but those books will, will help you a lot in the sense of avoiding mistakes and, and, and moving faster and uh, increase the odds of being successful. But ultimately, it's about doing. You learn by doing. Uh, and, and if so you don't... You, would, you move, have said to yourself, start early. Start earlier than... Yeah, now. I would start earlier, yes. I would even start earlier. I started my first business in 87, so I was 27 years old. And um, I would even start that earlier than that. I, I'm not, I know that lots of people think, and I see that in many of my students, and that worries me a lot. This idea of, I'm going to do my um, master's degree, and then I'm going to work for a company, because the, for the first three or four years, I'm going to learn a lot, and then I'm going to start a business. And I say to them, forget it. That's not the way it's going to happen. For those first three or four years, you're going to learn almost nothing. And what is going to happen is you're going to get lots of commitments and it's going to be harder and harder as times go by for you to make the decision. So it's now, it's not later, it's now. The sooner you start it, the better. Now, let me just finish one, one thing because I also think that's very important. When I talk about entrepreneurs, I'm not only talking about young, I'm also talking at the other end of the you know cycle of life because now these days uh, my father lived until 97 so i'm 62 i still think that at least 30 years i have of life of working life you at know. least antonio at yeah. least yeah okay so 30 years <laughs> and uh, and i i see myself doing more or less what i'm doing for those 30 years and um what i'm getting at is life does not stop at a given age. Life only stops when it really stops, when you die. Mm -hmm. um, it's not 30 years or 20 years before that. It's only that on that day. And um, that, that also means one very simple thing. If you have not started your business yet, it's still time to do it. Now, if you get to 97, maybe it's a little too late to use, for you to start a business. But if you are 60 or if you even are 70 or if you are 50, it's a perfect time. And besides, you know a lot and you have all these expertise and these days, you can transform that expertise into a digital product, which is, was something that you could not do some generations ago. Now you can. So if you have all this knowledge, think about how you can productize that knowledge, make it into something that other people are going to pay you for. Right? And you have a business, and you're going to feel much better than do nothing or do little. You'll be you know, more happy, and you'll be more fulfilled, and you will also leave a contribution to the society. Tony, thank you so much. It was great having you with us. Um, thanks for joining the Productize podcast. If you enjoyed uh, your stay, give us your uh, review and share this episode with friends and colleagues. Uh, you also have show notes and more episodes at our Medium channel. Join our community. We'll be sharing the links in the, in the, in the Medium post. This podcast was hosted by me, Andre Marquis, with research by Evelina Bogdun and sound editing by Miguel Souza. Have fun. Thank you. <laughs>